Welcome into a Reggie Wilson Wednesday. It's the mailbag edition of the Minnesota Football Party. Glad you joined us today. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. To my right, if you're watching on YouTube, that's Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. He also writes the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter. And down at the bottom of the screen, it's Reggie Wilson, sports director, sports anchor, CARE 11 Sports Department. He's here to answer your pressing questions about the Minnesota Vikings today, and we've got plenty of them. We will also dive into ownership comments. Mark Wilf at the podium yesterday addressing Kurt Cousins' contract, and he was not exactly optimistic about Kurt Cousins' future. There was a night practice last night. We have some takeaways from that. Questions about the defense, questions about the wide receivers, and yes, a hard knocks review at the end of the show. A former Vikings linebacker stars in the premiere episode. How's that for a tease? Today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Luke Inman, Vikings, uh, four-and-a-half-point underdogs in the preseason game. Oh, not, give not, me a break. Not getting much respect. Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Re- what do they know that we don't know? I'll have to comb the Seahawks' uh, depth chart and look at you know the second and third team battles, but I'll tell you what, four-and-a-half points. I get it. It's on the road. You got the time change, West Coast, but come on, man. Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, let's play. Let's Give me the four-and-a-half points and let's Jordan play. Jordan Addison is playing. I mean, he's wow. going to tear apart the backup corners. I mean, I think I think Jordan Addison's prime for a, a 300-yard game. Oh, uh, no, no, no. My, my favorite part of these uh, preseason games are the over-unders, if you're into that, because <laughs> yes. they're always ridiculously – you're so used to like, oh, Chiefs-Chargers regular season over-under 55-and-a-half points. You get to these preseason games, they barely break 30. It feels hey, that like Hall of Fame time. game, man. That Hall I'll of tell Fame you what, game. hit the over. Good three and a half. Race. Let's go 37, 38. Gosh, I just love how I know we're saving the hard knocks talk for the end, but I just love how the music and the narration makes the loss so devastating for the Jets. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's right, like, right. no, they don't care. They wanted to call the game when the lights went out. They're mm-hmm. like, let's just be done. <laughs> Ready to get out of there. Yeah. yeah. Get me out um of there. uh yesterday, Mark Wilf spoke. He speaks basically once a year, so this is a big day. He announced that Bud Grant will be honored this year with a patch and uh, a special um, sticker on the helmets this season. But he also got into some heavier contract discussion. He was asked about Kirk Cousins. He was asked about Justin Jefferson's contract, both very significant in scope to this organization. And he had very different answers, Reggie Wilson, with Cousins, very guarded deflected, said, that's not my department. That's Quasi and KOC. We're just focused on this year. With Justin Jefferson, oh, we can't wait to be involved in this mag- like magnificent player's contract. We can't wait to have Justin around for years to come. Just sounded different, didn't it, Reggie? It sounded like a guy who knows something about the plan with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and I wish, you know, he'd he'd uh, share a little bit of that with us because we're just continuing to ask anybody who would stand in front of us what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. And I think there comes a point where, you know, they're like, okay, we're not asking, a- answering any more questions about that. Let's not do that. And uh, that's fine. But it is kind of weird. It's just like, look, 
we're really excited about Kirk in 2023. Basically, it was just like, uh, he's our quarterback until he's not. And as you said, when you're just gushing over Justin Jefferson, and look, rightfully so, the guy got voted the second best player in the NFL by his peers. So mm -hmm. I get that. But yeah, it's like, it's so funny because Kirk sat down with Jana last week and there are clips of this thing that are just going viral all over social media, especially this clip about, you know, Kirk saying that he loves local news, which that was good. Shout out to Kirko for that. Appreciate that. He's the one keeping our lights on, I guess. But it's like, man, Jana asked him, she's just like, man, like, you love local news, but local news has not been very nice to you the last five years. And he's just like, look, man, I get it. And he just seems to take everything in stride. She made the comment that he was wound too tight. And he is, and he agreed. But when it comes to, like, this contract stuff, it seems like he has, like, switched the gear in his mind to, like, hey, it's just a business. It's just a business. It's just a business. And, like, I don't know if that's, like, suppression of feelings or if it's just like for real, just like, hey, it's, it's just a business. It's what it is, what it is. But like he's played well in a contract year before. And so anybody kind of thinking that he's like a lame duck and, you know, like, dang, like he's had this great, you know, offseason, the Netflix mm -hmm. special, like the popularity, wearing all the chains at NFL honors, singing with Kelly Clarkson. He's got to sit down with Jenna. Yeah, I'm throwing that in there. And like it's just it's it's just pandemonium for Kirk. And then the owner is just like, yeah, that's great. That's great. We love him. We love him. Not sure we love him past 2023, though. And it's just like, well, like... I, that's exactly I how Mark Wilk spoke, too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, it, it, like, I don't, I don't know... I don't know if I'm Kirk Cousins. I don't know how to feel. But it seems like, you know, he's that Dave Chappelle gif when he's like Puff Daddy. And he's just like, oh... My money. It's, it's not my, you know, it's all my money. It's not yours. It's like he's content with what he has and what he what he's doing. And he's just kind of letting everything else. But like, goodness gracious, the coach won't commit. The GM won't commit. Now the owner won't commit. Justin Jefferson, they committed to him and he left him out of his top five quarterbacks. It's just like the the strays that he's catching all over the place. It's just unreal it was always kind of made crystal clear the minute they decided not to extend Kirk out any further this season that they just wanted to make sure they had some flexibility no matter what happens in 2023 things are going to look different we're trying to you know rebuild this cap back up we got rid of a lot of Corvette we don't know what this thing's going to look like in 2023 so we want to make sure we have an out card right we we can stay flexible after this year with kirk cousins i've kind of always believed low key that it's been the wills behind the scenes who's been the ones who maybe were a, a majorly opposed to a big rebuild stripping it down to the studs like ryan poles and the bears they want to make sure hey we're competitive this year again they want to make sure we're putting people in the seats again and at least in the mix by season's ends for the playoffs so i think keeping kirk around for 2023 was something that Felt like a good, happy medium between the ownership, the GM who's trying to rebuild things, and the coach who's obviously trying to stay competitive as well. But I think 
the best owners in the league, when you just look at the landscape of all 32 teams, the best owners in the league, they all have one thing in common, and that's when they let the guy that they went out and, and hired to do their job go do their job on their own and not try to put their fingerprints on every big decision that uh, you know has to be made throughout a full regular season. I think eventually at a certain point, if you trust Quasi enough to hire him and run the show, you got to just sit back and let these guys do their thing, build this team back up the way they see fit. It reminds me a lot of, we heard heavy rumors, guys, that they were really interested in Bryce Young during the draft. So maybe that's a big sign that they're ready after this year to move on from Kirk. But I think just in a nutshell, guys, it's so tough to glean too much from these press conferences, especially when you get into any kind of contract talk with any big names on your roster. I uh, I had the seed planted in my brain watching Hard Knocks last night. If they need a quarterback next year, Zach Wilson? Hmm. Yeah. Free agent, huh? Sam, oh. shut your mouth. Okay. Shut I don't think he'd be a free mouth. agent, It would, but probably, what, six-round pick to get him? Who would you rather have, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I'd take Zach Wilson at this point. Everything that I've heard from from coming out of Niners camp, and this goes back to last year even, and I was a big – I was rooting for Lance coming out North Dakota State third overall pick. Just not where you expected a, a guy like that to be, especially under such a quarterback guru coach. It was Shanahan. He's just not even close to being a competitive starting quarterback in the NFL right now. And mm. so much to the point where even Sam Darnold has come in, and it sounds like he's taken over and leapfrogged him for that quarterback two spot. So I think I'd roll with a little bit more of the unknown, I guess, to a little bit degree. I know Zach Wilson struggled a lot last year, but um, give me the reclamation project and hope KOC can do something with Zach Wilson. See, and that's why I don't understand how the Niners just decided that Lance was the guy over a guy like Justin Fields who was right there to be had. Like, yeah. I just Can you imagine? I, yeah. I mean, I get it, but, like, look at the other guy who went – I mean, Carson Wentz is not – I mean, he's, he's practicing with Colts – uh, shorts, yeah. commander's jersey, <laughs> and eagle's helmet right now. Funny. Like, it, you know, I, I get it, but I don't know. It, I think they, I think they outsmarted themselves. I think Shanahan was a little arrogant with that. You know, I think he tried to be smart with that, but I don't know that that was the the right decision. But to your point, though, uh, Luke, I, I still think maybe I would take a chance on Lance. He's a hometown guy, not hometown, but you know, mm -hmm. Marshall. Yeah, just coming in and, and maybe being able to turn some things around. I don't know. Maybe I, I might like him. I just have not liked the stuff that I've seen on tape from Zach Wilson. I, I'm not sold at all. Yeah, I think they're both flawed. And I think that's what would make that situation precarious. You'd, you'd like something with a, a little bit more in the way of assurances in like those guys have a couple of years left of their rookie deals at least if you get a rookie in you get the full ramp to develop them into what you want uh, without having to make a, a contract decision there but a word from FanDuel and then we dive into your questions about the defense the wide receivers and Nikhil Harry in particular uh, but it's all about football right now at FanDuel like I mentioned Vikings four and a half point underdogs plus 160 money line um, but think beyond the preseason think Super Bowl Look into your crystal ball. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, when you make a Super Bowl winner futures bet, you can collect bonus bets along the way during the season every time that team wins a game. So last year, if you bet the Vikings to win the big game, 
you get 13 bonus bets along the way because they won 13 games. That's the new promotion right now at FanDuel. You can put those bonus bets on whatever, spreads, player props, over-unders, and plenty more. So many ways to wager on football at FanDuel. The website, fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets today with America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Make every moment more. Let's dive into the fan questions today um, from Derek Seiler. A lot of positives on the defense coming out of camp, but what are your biggest concerns with what you've seen, both personnel-wise and with Flores' style of defense? And I said this on yesterday's show, Luke. I do want to be cautious because the grass is always greener. All the interviews are very positive. It looks very positive. It looks very exciting because they are flashing around. They're moving quickly. They're blitzing. It is an active, kind of frenetic defensive look. But what are what should we be concerned about uh, going into this year? What do you think? I think my mind has always immediately jumped to the defensive line in that run defense. I mean, you're talking about a unit that was right near the bottom, right, in every category last year. Then you get to the offseason. You lose your best defensive lineman in Dalvin Tomlinson. And I understand, I mean, they're strapped for cash, but to replace them with essentially a UDFA in Tonga, who I'll admit has shown some flashes as, you know, a solid penetrating nose tackle at times. But then Dean Laurie as well, a guy who's just let go by your division rivals. So what does that kind of tell you? That worries me quite a bit, knowing they were already below average last season. And now from just a talent and personnel standpoint, just on paper, they've only gotten worse. So that's where my mind kind of goes first and foremost, because, you know, I think about this Flores defense, right? As fun as it exciting, all these exotic looks and schemes we've seen from Flores. If you can't win on first and second down, you're never going to get in those third and longs where you can dial up those fun blitzes and looks and kind of compared what we've seen a lot during these, you know, two weeks to Mike Zimmer, you know, from what we've seen from Flores, these little flashes, you know, same double A gap looks. You don't know who's coming, who's going, things like that. But don't forget Zimmer, the first thing he did when he got here, the first thing he did was go sign Limbaugh Joseph to be that run stuffing guy in the middle to help him win early downs, first and second downs, so you can get to the third and sevens, third and tens, third and twelves, things like that. So that's probably the A topic for me. And then, you know, you got to mention the cornerbacks too. Byron Murphy, oldest dude out there. He's only 25 years old. But even more so than just the age, the fact that teams spread you out now, three, four, five wide, play after play, you need at least three capable and competitive cornerbacks, if not even more. And right now, once you get past Murphy, and then a Caleb Evans, who's only entering year two, by the way, it's still just a lot of unknowns and, you know, kind of hoping for the best case scenario with you got a rookie out there and Makai Blackman, a guy who was just cut by the Patriots, Joan Williams. And then, of course, Andrew Booth, who just can't, you know, just has a hard time staying out on the field and when healthy, hasn't really shown the promise or flashes yet of being a top 40 pick. So those are the two big things, I think, when you strip everything down just to its core and fundamentals that I worry about the most. And and just knowing the way Flores is going to try to win, those are the two big kind of red flags, I think, right now. It's fun right now in training camp. Everybody's flying around. Defense seems to be dominating the offense day in and day out, practice in and practice out. You just got to hope Flores is as good as advertised, I think, with the weekly schemes, right? The weekly game plans and is able to take away offense's best attributes mm -hmm. as well as continuing to let his players do what they do best and maximize each player's unique skill set. And what I mean by that is you got to let Daniel Hunter put his hand in the dirt and just rush the passer. You got to let Harrison Smith 
blitz off the edge three, four, five times a game, things like that. But it could definitely be a a boomer bust. I'll put it that way, a boomer bust kind of process this year. You're going to see a lot of fun splash plays, like some sacks and turnovers, but you're also going to see a lot of big chunk plays given up throughout the season as well. So those are the things I'm kind of mentally preparing, I think, myself for in, in 2023 coming up. Yeah, Reg, your thoughts? Well, now that Luke went all the way around the sun and didn't really leave much else. Two things. Um, so, D-line corners. That's it. Stop. No, it, it just Stop. It, it went it went far. Um, no, um, no. To Luke's point, though, um, there are like anchors on each level. And I would say that really when you kind of look at it, safety is the only position that I'm like truly like not worried about. Just from like an experience standpoint and a depth standpoint, you got Harry back there, you got Cam Bynum, you got Josh Metellus, and then you know you you still want to see what you have in Lewis seen. But like you got three guys up there, like at the top of that depth chart, that you're like, yeah, I know what I I know what I'm getting from them from them, and these guys are going to be solid on the back end of that defense. But you look at all these people. Um, in other positions, you look at the defensive front, you know Harrison Phillips is going to anchor that that defensive line. He's solid. He's going to be fine. Who else, though? They. I was just talking to uh, some, some of my uh, team in the sports department last night. They traded for Ross Blacklock last year, and he just – I'm not really sure what exactly it was for. They got rid of Armin Watts. He ended up with the Bears. And then they traded for Ross Blacklock. And, I mean, he was like a healthy scratch for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Jonathan Bullard still. But then James Lynch tears his ACL. So now you're like, the depth there, eh, not really sure where, you know, where where the where that is going to go. And then you look at linebacker. Brian Asamoah, he showed flashes, you know. But you got Jordan Hicks, who is, you know, pretty – Pretty pretty much a, a guy you know what you can expect from, a productive linebacker. He's a proven commodity, right? But then you have Brian Asamoah. You got Ivan Pace Jr. Um, trying to make a name for himself as well in that uh, linebacker room. And, and you're just like, okay, not really sure. Cornerback. I mean, you say – Byron Murphy is like a, a a sure thing there, but I mean he missed ten games last year, and you're like, you know, I don't know. And then you got some castoffs like Joan Williams, and you know, Booth can't necessarily stay healthy. You're not you're not really sure what to think about him. There are a lot of unproven guys on that defensive um, unit that makes you a little bit concerned. You're like, yeah, like. You mentioned some of the bigger names, but then you mentioned like there are still other positions that have to be played well as well for this unit to really excel. And there are a lot of question marks there. And I think that's kind of where I go with it. And it was kind of like how you think about the the offense. You're like, man, you see some good pieces. You got Kirk, you got Dalvin, you got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen still there. Not really sure who's going to play tight end. Not really sure what this offense is going to look like. And then they come out against the Packers in week one. And you're like, whoa, this is what it can be? Like, I think we're still kind of waiting on week one to try to figure out what exactly things are going to look like. We've seen some looks in camp, but, like, we're not just sure. 
what things are going to look like. Last year, they kept it so vanilla. We were just like, what the heck is this team going to be? This year, you're like, okay, you got an idea of what the offense is going to look like based on what you saw last year. But this is a new defense. They're not going to do any type of crazy wrinkles in the preseason. So we kind of have to stand back and just see what happens. Yeah, and Reg brings up a great point, though, with Byron Murphy, the fact that, hey, he didn't play a full slate last year. He missed, what, seven games? Caleb Evans missed seven games as well with concussions, too, which scares the heck out of you for a guy in his first year. So those are two starting cornerbacks. Obviously, Andrew Booth missed 11, 12 games. Joan Williams, I just looked it up, he missed five games last year. So when you talk about the the best case and worst case scenarios certainly that worst case scenario has something to do with some of these young cornerbacks just can't stay healthy and on the field they would be in a lot of trouble and they'd be missing the days of a guy like Duke Shelley back there I'll tell you that yeah just to try to boil down what Reggie's saying I've got six numbers written down in front of me 33 44 21 94 0 and 95 uh, those are the numbers of six projected starters who need to take significant steps from last year that they are counting on. Marcus Davenport and Dean Lowry had one combined sack. They need to get a lot better. Kyrus Tonga and Caleb Evans and Josh Metellus and Brian Asamoah are the, are the other four. They have never done this. They have never started for a full season in the NFL, ever. So they have to take significant steps from their role as a backup or a role player. That's just a lot to bet on. The odds of you hitting on all six of those are so slim that you're inevitably going to have some, some problems there, right? If a Caleb Evans, who they've invested a ton of faith in, is not good or has not improved, then they're in a world of hurt. If Josh Metellus is... Your CB3, if he's the big nickel in a lot of situations, if he's playing 30 snaps a game defensively and you're bringing all this pressure and you're leaving those cornerbacks on islands downfield and that's a, and he's a liability for you, you're going to get caught in so many blitzes and give up so many chunk plays like Luke said. So they're just they're betting on so many uncertainties defensively and they're doing it with such an aggressive scheme that it probably will be feast or famine, again, to echo what Luke said. So definitely not all all uh, rose-colored glasses on the defensive side of the ball. How about a wide receiver? Question from at uh, Slade Trade. Jalen Naylor seemed to be a rising talent from OTAs and offseason work, but now that camp has opened, he's out with an injury. What's the likelihood that he sticks with the Vikings and plays a role this year now that Addison is available? It's a good question. I will say on Addison... I watched him super closely the last two days and not just in 11s, but going about his individual work, the drills, they've got like this little hopscotch thing where, you know, you have to do fast feet, right? Like fast feet, jab, fast feet, jab. His feet move faster than anyone's. Like if you compare his feet to Nikhil Harry's feet, I mean, it's like you well, don't throw, don't throw our guy, Nikhil Harry, under the bus like that. Come on now. Albeit, it is hard when you're 6'4 to, to move your feet <laughs> that quickly. Um, but Jordan Addison just flies effortlessly through these drills. He's, he's built differently. I do think he is pretty legit. And I said on yesterday's show or two days ago, 
I think that the conversation is going to quickly become, is he your wide receiver too? Like, I think that he's headed that way. So what is, where does that leave Jalen Naylor? He was listed with the second grouping on the depth chart. That's encouraging. But we haven't seen him in now two weeks. Reggie, Jalen Naylor's spot, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think, you know, second-year guy, you can't give up on him, you know, that soon. But I do think that it is imperative for him to, to get out there. I think, look, depth at the wide receiver position, they're always going to have bodies. You know, they signed to kill Harry. He's making flashes and all that. I mean, honestly, if you're just kind of being real about it, like I feel like they signed to kill Harry as a camp body. Now, like if he just continues to mm-hmm. impress and and he's just like turning heads continually, then maybe you have a, a situation where you're like, dang, do we really? Do we need to keep this dude? Like, I don't, I don't know. But then again, like they, they did cut the defensive lineman last year that was just like shining and like Ty pre- McGill, yeah, pre- freaking Ty oh, McGill, man. man. He was, he was doing his thing, and they just, they were like, yeah, we're he's wave injured. But like, I, I don't know. I, I still don't think that we're still so early into this. Like, it's August 9th right now. The season doesn't start until. September 10th or whatever day it is. And so there's still so much time for Jalen Naylor to get back healthy at least a little bit and and show that he can contribute. But right now they're like, look, we need some guys that can run these plays because we, you know, we we still gotta we still gotta do our thing. Show must go on. And so I think that's kind of what we're seeing there. I don't get too overly concerned about it. Um it's just kind of where things shake out right now. And then even even Kevin O'Connell was saying, like, hey, I wouldn't put too much into where things are in the depth chart thing and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, these nicks and dings and things like that happen in training camp all the time. So I think you kind of just have to let things play out a little bit before making any judgments on a guy like Jalen Naylor. Yeah, yeah I, I think you got to be a little patient with this one. I think you got to step back and look at bigger picture because Jalen Naylor is definitely going to be a part of the long-term plans. I can almost guarantee that. He showed enough in year one as a rookie to work his way all the way up the depth chart. More importantly, when he did get actual game time and some meaningful snaps, he produced. He showed people he belongs in the league, specifically in Lambeau versus the Packers. Uh, I think it was week 17, I want to say. So, listen, they added another game now, two to the season. So, these guys are playing 17 games It's a long grind. It's an absolute gauntlet of a season. They're still playing a sport, even with the rule changes, that's so violent, so barbaric, so physically taxing on these guys' bodies. I think it's slowly becoming more and more unrealistic to expect all these guys to stay healthy for a full 17-game season, plus playoffs potentially. So that means... It's so important to have the right depth guys ready to step in and not skip a beat, whether it's JJ or KJ or Addison. One of these guys gets dinged up. They miss a week here or there. Naylor's clearly the next man up, at least in my book right now, from everything I've seen and heard. And he'll get his chance to prove his worth again inside this offense at various points throughout the season. And I know you got TJ Hawkinson. He's a major weapon and target in the passing game as well. But you know, KOC is going to deploy plenty of four and five wide receiver sets throughout the season. Naylor, I think, is going to be a big part of that. Plus, I think, too, when you talk about big picture, with KJ, KJ Osborne, he's a free agent next year. 
I think Jalen Nellier is already the ideal replacement for that wide receiver three spot if and when they aren't able to retain Osborne uh, next offseason. Yeah, and Reggie pointed out August 9th, a lot of time for Jalen Naylor to get back on the field. I just, I'd like to see him get back on the field. Kevin O'Connell kind of overpromised on his timeline. He said that he would be back early next week at the time of the injury. Well, next week came and went, and now it's the week after, and we still haven't seen him, and we're not going to see him in the game. So will he be there for joint practices? I hope so, because I do think he's still a useful piece. And my favorite cherry-picked stat from last year of all wide receivers with 12 or more targets. Tyreek Hill was second in yards per route run with 3.2. Jalen Naylor just crushed him. 5.77 yards per route run. Let's go. That's no lie. Receiver in football. And I'm just reporting the news. Yeah. Just reporting the news. Just reporting the facts. I will say this too. uh, You you talked about kind of over-promise, under-delivered as far as the timeline goes. It also makes you think, and Jalen Naylor's just one guy. It's a big group of wide receivers in that room. They got, what, 12, 13 bodies now. But any time a team goes and signs, especially at this juncture two weeks into camp, goes and signs another body. So not just one with Nikhil Harry, but Jacob mm-hmm. Copeland as well. Just makes you think, okay, is there a guy in the mix uh, that maybe maybe we're starting to find out isn't going to be? This is all behind the scenes, these conversations taking mm-hmm. place. But it makes you think, coaches, training staff, are they starting to think or get to the point where maybe Naylor's not going to be back and rush back onto the field as soon as we think. Let's get another body in here just in case this thing ends up taking a turn for the worse and he ends up being out another four, six, eight weeks, something like that. A lot of times, this is how it goes in camp. Everyone kind of gets their moment in the sun. Day one, it was the Jalen Naylor show. Then it was the Tristan Jackson show. Then he gets hurt. He's been out. You know, Lucky Jackson had a minute where he was looking really good. Thayer Thomas has been pretty consistent, maybe a little less so of late. Uh, I I think he's on the wrong end of a lot of bad Jaron Hall throws. I will say that. Um, And lately, I've been impressed by Blake Prohl. I think Blake Prohl is is a guy like and his injuries have ruined his career so far, but he stood out to me and it kind of goes that way where every few days someone else stands out. And overall, at the end of it, what does the body of work look like? You can't be prisoner of the moment with these things. Uh, Tristan Jackson, though, by the way, after that horrible looking injury moving around really well on the rehab field yesterday. So he might be fairly close to coming back. We did have someone just ask, real quick, Sam. You yeah, talked about you like yeah. Blake Prohl, what he's doing. Tristan Jackson had his moment. We've we've been gushing about Thayer Thomas as maybe a guy to fill in that Chad BB kind of role someday, two, three years down the road. When it comes to keeping these guys on the practice squad, because we already know the big four, probably big five with Brandon Powell pending. He beats out Jalen Naylor for that fifth and final spot. Unless they do something crazy and keep six, they're gonna have to put what two. What, how many how many wide receivers can you realistically put on the practice squad? Two? I mean, you got to spread the positions out a little bit. They're, they can't keep yeah. all these guys. So Blake Prohl looking good. Tristan Jackson we love. Thayer Thomas we love. His potential down the road. You just signed Nikhil Harry. One of these big names isn't not just going to make the 53, probably not going to be able to make the mm-hmm. practice squad as well by the time this is all said and done. Right. And I, I think a guy like Nikhil Harry probably gets left out just because there's less upside was somebody in the yeah. fifth year of his career now. Uh, someone asked if they think, uh, Jay Thomas on Twitter, do you think he'll make the 53? He has made some great catches. Last night, he had the play of the night, diving catch along the sideline from Mullins. On who, by ones. the way? 
Covered by who? I, I honestly don't remember. Oh, oh I, heard, I heard it was Andrew it was Booth. Booth. It I was Booth. It was Booth. And Booth had good coverage. It was just a ridiculous catch. But Reg, you, you said you think he's a camp body. I tend to agree. But could he play himself into the roster discussion if he continues to do absurd things on the field? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that, that's we'll pretty see. skeptical. I heard we'll that. See. I heard that. Eh, that's a, that's a tell. We'll see. It, it, here's the good news and bad news with him, just as far as like, you know, what he's got probably mentally going through as far as like, can I make this team or not? The bad news is he's so far behind the eight ball already. You come in two weeks into camp, you miss minicamp, OTAs, the playbook, the verbiage, that's so much to soak up. And they'll dial things down for him and try to simplify some things, give him a fighter's chance. But, you know, you watch Kirk Cousins in the Netflix doc eight weeks into the season. He's still swimming in the playbook, right? So that's a long road to travel, right? Big hill to climb for Nikhil Harry as far as that stuff goes. The good news is he is clearly by far, outside of maybe Garrett Mogg, the biggest wide receiver immediately on the roster right now. So if they really value a big-bodied possession guy in the passing game outside of a tight end like TJ Hawkinson, maybe he's got a fighter's chance to be that big alpha boundary, go up and get it, play above the rim kind of receiver that they clearly don't have on the uh, on the depth charter roster right now. Yeah, and compared to Garrett Mogg, I mean, Mogg is tall and slender. This guy's a tight end. Nikhil Harry is a tight end looking football player. He is huge and he doesn't move that well. That's always been his problem. I'm surprised they haven't converted his position to be honest with you, but um, he can make some big plays. If he, if, if his hands are as good as they looked last night, uh, I definitely would see where he'd be a useful NFL player. Um, we're going to talk hard knocks. So spoiler alert, those who haven't seen it and don't want to know Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets. Uh, first, a word from Sirius XM. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, gigantic news. Uh, SXM app, you can find all the Locked On Sports Minnesota shows and the hometown broadcast. Corey Provis calling the Twins games. They're in Detroit tonight at 540, trying to get back on track after a shutout loss last night. Find all of that on the SXM app. Just search Twins or search Locked On Sports Minnesota. So, Reg, and it's only been out for a day or 12 hours. You haven't seen the show yet. That's okay. Do you plan to watch, though? Absolutely. I watched the one before the season. I'm not sure who they're going to get for end season this year, but I thought that was a good wrinkle. Yeah, a lot of times, too, I like to let them build up a little bit and then, like, binge a little bit just so I have some you know st stuff to watch on the plane and Things yeah. to things to just watch when I'm just you know at the house chilling out trying to decompress. Okay, so are you okay with a couple little spoilers? Oh, go ahead, I? whatever. You they're, your ears? They're, gonna okay. all, they're gonna be all over social media anyway. Yeah, you're right about that. All right, so Luke, you saw it, I saw it. Um, first, Chaz Surratt, it like uh, the most out of the blue ex Vikings star, and I wonder if they're gonna kind of latch onto him. Because they always latch on to a roster bubble guy who's trying to make it, who's somewhat interesting, and they they set him up as if this is going to be that guy for this year. He had an interception in the Hall of Fame game, converted quarterback, turned linebacker, kind of an interesting path, and Robert Sala seems to love him. Chaz Surratt, who would have thought? Who was the Texans running back that they did that to in spotlight, and he just stole the show? Charles James or something like that? Do you guys yeah, remember that season? 
I'll never forget that. You're right, Sam. They do kind of pick one of these under-the-radar guys and kind of hone in on him. Definitely could be Chaz Surratt. I was just more enamored outside that fact and kind of lens you're looking through. The fact that on the football field, Robert Sala, you heard him mic'd up on the sideline during that preseason game versus the Browns. He was gushing about this kid. And it wasn't just the one interception play like, oh, man, great play, good job. They showed him clip after clip, verbiage after verbiage saying, Man, I love this guy. Oh, he's so fast. Oh, did you see him? God, I, I, I just, uh, this guy's the best. And it's like, wait a minute. Did the Vikes give up a little bit too early on this guy? I know, remember, coming out of North Carolina, he was a converted quarter a little bit too early because right now, just from the small sample size we got, um, not only the big splash plays during the preseason game, but everything we're hearing from Robert Sal on the sideline, Maybe Chaz Surratt's got a little potential here now that he's two, three years in the league and starting to understand the speed and nuances of the NFL. Maybe he's going to end up being, you know, a sub-package kind of guy, and, and maybe the Vikings cut bait a little bit too early because Mike Zimmer and probably Rick Spielman just didn't have the patience to, uh, you know, stick a guy like that out for two, three years, knowing where they were at, you know, professionally, obviously, kind of in their last year or two with the Vikings organization. But, yeah, uh, Chaz Surratt could definitely be that guy who steals the spotlight and show for sure, Sam. Yeah, Surratt looks like he hit the weight room. I mean, he was yes, so he small wow. in Minnesota, and he looks yes. like a linebacker now. So that, yep. that might be fun to follow. Uh, I've got a hot take on Sala, though. Robert Sala in that episode looked like if you gave a fan a Jets long sleeve shirt and a headset, he said all the things that I think a fan would say. Like, he, it just seems all like to be just amazing to him. Like, oh, he didn't coach at all. It was just, wow, wow, look at that throw. Look at that throw by Rodgers. Whoa, he's so fast. I love that. Whoa. Yeah, he was it's just, fanboying. It's just he so much fanboying. for him. Yeah. He, and, I, yeah, I thought the, the – Everybody speech, was with Rodgers. The speech that yeah. people are raving – yeah, well, it was just a – There, I don't want to use the phrases I'm thinking to describe what they did, but it was prop. it was Rodgers' propaganda. Straight up Rodgers propaganda. And I actually think Rodgers was the most interesting guy on the screen. Mm-hmm. I thought Sala was milk toast, generic. The coordinators were interesting. Hackett, Ulbrick, enjoyed them. Um, but the speech that people are posting about and raving about with the eagle and the crow, and eh, it, was very, it was forced. It was so a- forced. and Pretty average. And I pretty actually average. barfed. I actually barfed when they did an Ed Sheeran montage of Aaron Rodgers throws. I actually vomited. Like it's tough it, it crowd happened. over here. Good I liked Lord. it. I liked it. As and what's the lyric? Um, it was so on the nose. It was so, Oh, it's nauseating. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, but I thought that Nathaniel Hackett was one of the stars of the show after the the Sean Payton stuff. What do you think about that? Yes, I agree with you as well. Down-to-earth dude. Boy, Rodgers just spoke so glowingly of him and their relationship going back to Green Bay in 2019. And just, you can tell they really click and vibe right out the gate, which is going to be huge for this Jets offense, I think, for him to be able to just step right into this playbook that he's already familiar with. But um, it's pretty entertaining to see just the contrast and their reactions to every single Jets player 
when Aaron Rodgers makes a great Aaron Rodgers type of throw. You can clearly tell the poor quarterback play that they had to, you know, kind of grind through last year. And that Zach poor Wilson. quarterback is on the roster, too. I know. Like, and he has to see all this. I know. I know. Tough scene for Zach Wilson, for sure. Taking a big L there. But probably a great thing for Zach Wilson, to be honest. You get to sit and learn behind a Hall of Famer. Clearly, you just, you just hear Zach Wilson talk behind the scenes. It just sounds like quick sidebar. I don't know if you guys watched the Johnny Manziel Untold. But that is outstanding as well. And Johnny Manziel basically said, I was done with football mentally. He watched zero hours of film. You could just tell the world was weighing on his shoulders. Um, Zach Wilson reminded me a little bit about that, that just like the struggles and the pressure of the big city in New York, no less. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that you got a championship, Super Bowl you know, caliber kind of defense as well on the other side, not doing your part. Just felt like he was emotionally drained. Maybe this is a good thing for Zach Wilson. He needs a mental breather more than anything and gets to learn the X's and O's from a future Hall of Famer. But yeah, the wow throws, though, that, you know, again, I mean, you know, Packer fans, for example, ah, we're used to that. We see that every day in practice. These Jets players, every single one of them, were, were absolutely going nuts and bananas every time he made a big splash. Throw. Yeah, it was pretty funny. R- Reggie, you got to have like a a barf bag near you when they when you get to the Ed Sheeran montage. Please text us. Let me know if you can hold it in because it is like the Rogers worship at that point was just out of control. And I think he's interesting. I enjoyed whenever he was on the screen. He still steals the show because he just is dry wit, funny. Like He's got a lot of wisdom in there. Kind of an odd guy, but I enjoyed him on the screen. I just couldn't handle the Ed Sheeran. It was... You know who weird. actually stole the show? And I didn't know he was the voiceover guy. Is it, is Lee, it Schreiber. Lee Schreiber? Yeah, yeah, the X Men guy and everything else. What else was he in? Spotlight and a couple other big movies. Dude, he doesn't sound like that in a lot of his other movies. So I don't know what kind of effects they're working with and whatnot. But um, <laughs> I had a hard time once I found out that was him. And Aaron Rodgers was going fanboy about him. By the way, just gushing. That's the mm-hmm. voice of God right there. That's the voice of Hard Knocks right there. Go say hi, every person, everybody. Did you go say hi yet? Go say hi. Go say hi, <laughs> dude. Don't be don't be mean. Don't be rude. Go say hi like talking to his head coach and Daniel Hackett and everybody else. Um, yeah, he kind of stole the show as well. He got a a healthy amount of screen time, I'll say that. Yeah, that was good. The helicopter entrance, that was yeah. fantastic. So, all right, we've spoiled it all for good Reggie. Lord, we just leave nothing to the imagination. I guess I better go watch. Yeah. I better go watch. Yeah, no, we, we left a little meat on the bone there, I think. Okay, not yeah. too much, though. No, I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, we got it down to the nub, but... No, there's something left. All right. That's the show for the day. Good job, gentlemen. Luke Inman, Reggie Wilson, CARE 11. Uh, by the way, what's going on at CARE tonight, Reggie? Oh, man. We got, you know, Gophers. Football is still underway. A um, couple weeks away from the season opener against Nebraska. So we're talking about them. Um, Julia is catching up with Brooks Lee, I think, as we speak. Um, pretty cool. He and Royce Lewis hitting back-to-back in the lineup last night for the St. Paul Saints. So I said on the air last night, the future is now. The future is now, people. Um, Then, you know, talking about twins, it it seemed to be good, and then they just get blank last night. So got another chance to take this series tonight. That's tonight on CARE 11, and tomorrow for us on the Minnesota Football Party, Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, Ron Johnson all join us. We'll have the full five on tomorrow's Minnesota football party. For Luke, Reggie, I'm Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching.
on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Be blessed. Spread love.